And welcome back to another edition of the Yeah Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Ram, and I am joined with Tony right now. We'll get uh, Parker a little later, and Josh will not be joining us today. Um, so, Tony, the Super Bowl is over, but before we talk about that game, um, let's go over some college football news if you have any. Definitely got a couple points here. So, I uh, did kind of report about last week, but Bill O'Brien has taken the Boston College head coaching spot. Um, as I did mention uh, last week, was reported of a possible move, and this week confirmed that. Um, and then also in response to that, Ohio State has hired former UCLA head coach Chip Kelly to its uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback position. A bit interesting to let kind of UCLA to like let him go, but uh, I think it's definitely a good addition to that coaching staff for Ohio State. Although in response to that, UCLA has hired uh, Bruins Hall of Famer and um, Raiders running back coach Deshaun Foster to replace Chip Kelly. Um, there, there's a video out there of the players going really ecstatic when they announced him that he was going to be their head coach. So that's uh, some really positive news if we, uh, if you're a Bruins fan for sure. Also, ESPN and the College Football Playoff have agreed to a six-year extension worth around 7.8 billion dollars. Um, it is currently in approval, while the College Football uh, kind of still figure out the 12-team details. Once that becomes official, I think the deal will also become official as well. Um, Pac-12 Commissioner George Klebikov, uh is parting ways with the conference in a negotiation settlement of his contract for Yahoo Sports. Um, Deputy Commissioner Teresa Gold is being targeted as his replacement. Also, um, kind of in res- uh, going off of what I mentioned earlier about the 12-team uh, details, the College Football Playoff Board of Managers is set to vote this uh, February 20th on a 5-7 model. Um, so taking the five highest-ranked conference champions as well as the next seven highest-ranked teams um, kind of for its 12-team situation or kind of layout. Um, they were originally going to go with a 6-6 six and six model, so one more conference, so six conference champions and six highest-ranked um, teams. But obviously with the Pac-12 going to down to just two teams, um, the Power Five, which is the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, and SEC has turned down to the Power Four, um, with the Pac-12 obviously being not, not in that anymore. So, less, thus leading to the the five-seven format. We'll have to see what they vote on there. Also, Texas Athletic Director Chris Del Conte confirms that SEC is likely to move to a nine-game schedule by 2026. So, definitely a little bit of ways away, but currently at an eight-game uh, conference schedule um, as we speak. But obviously, they want to get at least one more in there, get to nine. Um, Boise State offensive coordinator and quarterback coach Bush Hamden uh, is finalizing a deal to become Kentucky's next offensive coordinator and quarterback coach as well. Um, a big key coaching vacancy for Boise as they sit just a month away from spring practice. We'll have to see who they go with. And then finally, uh, Notre Dame uh, is set to play Army in the 2024 Shamrock Series. It's set uh, to play November 23rd at Yankee Stadium in New York. Um, the universities played each other 100 years ago in October of 1924 at the Polo Grounds, which was just across the Harlem River in New York from the original Yankee Stadium. So kind of cool there that they're having that. That was won by Notre Dame 13-7 to back in the days um, when scores were like that. So really excited to see that, and it'll be interesting to see the really cool uniforms that those teams have. But that's really all the news I got for college football this week. Perfect. Yeah, um, the, the rest of this offseason was just probably going to consist of, of news So uh, for, for the college football sector. But uh, we'll, we'll go over to the NFL side. Uh, we have the Super Bowl played. Uh, we'll go ahead and give our reactions to that. 
um, after this news segment. Let's, well, we'll start with some pieces of news here. There's not a lot, but um, a couple I wanted to go over. Uh, obviously, today, um, a couple days after the Super, or a few days, three days after the Super Bowl, there was a uh, massive shooting at the Chiefs um, uh, parade after their celebration, or actually during their celebration of the Super Bowl. Uh, one person dead and a lot shot. It's just, it's crazy to see some of these open events targeted in uh, in this type of way, especially when you're celebrating something with your city um, and you have to talk about, you know, a shooting. So, uh, yeah, I I guess from, from yeah, guys, to, to everybody impacted, I hope, I hope nothing uh, too crazy is going to come out uh, from this. There is already one casualty, so that's already um, out of the window, to be honest. So that, that is something really sad, but... Um, yeah, we can move on from that unfortunate news. Well, we'll go with something more football-related. Um, the Niners are parting ways with their defensive coordinator, Steve Wilkes, after just one season with the team. Um, whether it was performance from the players, um, I guess effort from the players as well, or lack of scheme, there was something not right with that defense throughout the year. Um, they, they were good. It's just, you know, certain times in the year where they needed to really step up, they they, they did really play their best football, um, notably in the regular season against the Ravens with that big game. That was the, one of the games of the week, and then it wasn't even competitive. Um, the, the Ravens blew them out and kind of saw some of that defensive uh, woes start to happen and then um, kind of just confirming it uh, during the playoffs where they were giving a lot, a lot of points up to the Packers, the, the Lions, and then the Chiefs, especially at the end of the game when they really had them. Um, but yeah, Steve Wilts is gone from there. Um, go, going down the list here, I don't have much more. I think Mitch, Mitchell Trubisky is uh, going to be released by the Steelers, so that's something uh, notable for, for Parker, I guess. Um, and that's really going to do it. Uh, Tony, we can talk about the actual game now. So the Chiefs defeat the San Francisco 49ers 25-22 in what was an overtime game, one of the first overtime games in a long time uh, for the Super Bowl, Tony. But the, the Chiefs end up, um, repeating as Super Bowl champions, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this 25 to 22 victory. Absolutely, the dynasty has been confirmed. Uh, really, really cool for the Chiefs. Um, obviously, I didn't want them to win, but uh, you gotta you gotta give a round of applause for them and what they've been able to accomplish since 2019. Um, really, really special game. Uh, as you mentioned, really slow getting out of the gate. You know, first downs are really hard to come by. Um, to kind of start the game, obviously the 49ers get the first 10 points. Um, they get that miraculous Juwan Jennings touchdown to uh, McCaffrey with about four minutes left in the half. And it, right, right in the back of my head, I was kind of already thinking, yep, this is probably going to wake up the Chiefs. Um, they have a really great drive to kind of end the, the first half. Can't get in the end zone. Great, great defensive play there. Um, to kind of force the field goal, but after that, you kind of just expected the the Chiefs were probably going to come out and play really, really well, and they they did. They had a really great third quarter. Defense really shut it down, um, especially in that quarter specifically. Um, they did look like they were going to kind of maybe take a take a big lead, but obviously the the Forty ers kind of responded with a big touchdown um, to go back up. What would have been 17 to 13, obviously the extra point blocked. And that, unfortunately for the 49ers, uh, was a very, ended up being very important. Um, obviously, Jake Moody still made a really, really clutch field goal with just under two minutes left. But um, there is a lot of, there's two big third downs that the 49ers 
were not able to convert on that, in my opinion, kind of cost them the game, in my opinion. Um, it was it was that opportunity, and then obviously in overtime, credit the, uh, the Chiefs for a, a very big and important, obviously, um, tying drive at the end of regulation. Without that, we're not even talking about the Chiefs. Um, and yeah, just uh, it was a really, really good drive from the 49ers. I think it was like seven and a half minutes. So pretty much the entire first half of the overtime, can't get it, have to force a field goal. And uh, you could kind of just tell. It's not like, obviously, the Chiefs still had to go do. And they did. Like, they had another seven-minute drive themselves. But you could just kind of tell, mm, Patrick's getting one more opportunity. He's probably going to. And kind of fitting that McCall Hardman is uh, the guy that scores the touchdown. Um, he's been a part of all three of their Super Bowl drives or Super Bowl seasons, I should say. Um, but yeah, really, really great performance. Kind of interesting that uh, Mahomes had 46 pass attempts. Um, you normally don't see that many, but yeah, that was uh, kind of a lot. Um, so really special performance from him, I guess. Just kind of continued to show uh, that playmaking ability, every play, kind of him running around, dancing around, still getting first downs. Had a huge run. Um, I think like 20 yards in the in the second half, um, but again, another ring, and uh, he's he's definitely up there as one of the best now. I'll be honest. How about you, Ron? Yeah, um, after this game, we're we're definitely talking about him versus Brady, and obviously, he, I don't think he's close yet. But obviously, one of the only players, the only to even touch that conversation. So uh, we are we are witnessing greatness um, for sure. But with this game, it, it was it was odd because um, the last two playoff games for the Niners, they started off very rough. They were off to slow starts. They were making a lot of mistakes, and they, they found themselves down a lot, um, especially at, at halftime against the Lions in particular. But um, against the Packers as well, they were down, um, and they were getting run on. It's just... It, they they never started these these playoff games strong, and I thought they they did a really good job in the Super Bowl. They were ready uh, to, to face this Chiefs team who had a good defense, a great defense, who had a great quarterback. They were up, I think, what ten nothing, um, and uh, they were playing good football. Yeah, it, to me, what the what the difference was was the fact that they weren't able to put together a full performance. And I'm not saying the Chiefs did, but. To me, the Niners weren't able to put it together fully. There were gaps. There were many, many gaps during the game where they they had chances. They had, the Chiefs were giving them chances to pull away from the game, and they weren't able to uh, to, to really convert those chances. The first quarter, not scoring any points. Sure, okay, that's fine because the score was 0-0, but not being able to score in the third quarter as well, it's, it's tough because you know the Chiefs are going to score points. You have to obviously outscore him but it's going to be a dueling match especially against a guy like Mahomes I, I give credit to that Niners offense for coming back um in the fourth quarter coming up with some big drives but not being able to get touchdowns especially at the end and then in overtime really killed them they were able to get that touchdown drive um towards the end of the fourth quarter but that overtime drive was really the backbreaker because regardless of if you know the Niners knew the overtime rule or not the, the Chiefs were going to touch the ball. The, the Chiefs were going to touch the ball regardless. And you knew that the Niners needed to score a touchdown, and they were driving down the field. It was it was methodic. It was They did a great job, and they, could, they couldn't end with a touchdown. And then when you're at that spot, you're like, okay, 
Mahomes is going to get the ball, and he's either going to uh, tie it up or or win the game. And then you see him go right down the field in classic Mahomes fashion. It, it's disappointing to see, not disappointing for, for my vantage point, it's disappointing as a Niner fan to watch your defense just get uh, torn apart uh, at the end, especially if you're built on a great defensive line, great linebackers, great secondary, and also a big, big loss for that San Francisco 49ers team was was Drake Greenlaw. Not able to to have him for a majority of the game was huge because if I'm pulling up a stat here, I can I can tell you what the replacement of Drake Greenlaw did. It was not it was not pretty at all. So once Drake Greenlaw went down, Oren Burks filled in for him and he gave up nine catches on nine targets for a touchdown, 134.7 passer rating when he was targeted, and a coverage rating or grade of 32.1. So that loss was massive for the Niners, and it, it it's tough for the Niners because they did such a good job in the first half, and they weren't able to complete that performance in the second half because they had them. They really did, especially the Ravens when they played the Chiefs. They had them. They just never converted whenever the Chiefs kind of fell asleep offensively. Um, but credit to the Chiefs for coming back, for pulling through some adversity, getting turnovers, and um, winning the game at the end under under Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's where you see the difference between a quarterback like Purdy, and he's really good in his system, has really good, uh, I guess, attributes, but doesn't have that playmaking ability to really carry the carry his team like Mahomes showed and he showed consistently so um that's where i stand with this game i think overtime regardless if you know, knew the rule or not the chiefs were were destined to score a touchdown anyway so uh, that's that's where i keep things a very good game uh, nonetheless um but yeah those were my thoughts on that game parker any any thoughts on the super bowl um, I mean, I wasn't here to hear what you guys had to say, so I don't know exactly what you guys said, but um, I would say that uh, definitely a good game, uh, probably the best game um, of the year in terms of just excitement level, uh, you know, getting down to the end of the game, uh, you know, scoring, you know, getting tied up and taking the lead and several different lead changers and things like that uh, towards the end of the game, but um, I know... Just me looking at it, I know a lot of other, I've seen some other points of this online. It's just the consistent losing uh, for the 49ers under Shanahan. I know around, uh, you know, this is your boy, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's he's a good coach. Obviously, I'm not saying he should get fired or anything like that. Obviously, making it to these uh, games is um, obviously a challenge in its own, but um, just the fact that there's just no winning in – uh, you know, a little concerning uh, for me. Um, just getting there uh, is a challenge in itself, like I just said. But uh, the just with the amount of talent that this team had, if any team could have won the Super Bowl over the past, you know, 58, you know, iterations of the Super Bowl, this might be the most talented team that we've seen uh, just in terms of the amount of stars um, on the 49ers side. And just for that, getting it done has got to absolutely. It's not uh, I guess, would be my uh, sort of question for them. It's just they're just very. Uh, yeah, I can see it. I'm looking for this too, but um, I don't know. Uh, just, I guess, those th- those 
thoughts uh ran from my had just saying that lewis um again but uh from the for uh, the chiefs side you know with the lack of talent um it's just surprising on that end i think uh we see you look at these two teams talent level uh wide receivers uh skill positions defensive players uh you know the chiefs have some young guys, definitely a young uh, defensive team and young uh, playmakers on the offensive side, but still, you know, manage to just get it done under pressure and score when you need, when you need to score. And, um, you know, just getting the job done at the end of the day with a, a great coach uh, that'll, you know, get them over the hump. But uh, definitely, um, you know, Mahomes getting, should be getting praised. Uh, definitely turned the season around from where it could have been going uh, first round exit, maybe not even making the playoffs to, you know, winning back-to-back Super Bowls and just, you know, getting better for next year. So uh, just a really good end of the season and uh, excited to move on to the off season. I, I wanted to ask you guys, I'm, I'm seeing some, some, I know we talked about similarities between the Patriots. We always talk about the Patriots, but there's some serious similarities that I can, I think I put my finger on what's going on in San Francisco. So the Chiefs and the Patriots are very similar in this way. They have a head coach that's not totally hands-on in every aspect of the team. Andy Reid is a head coach is a is an offensive brain, and Bill Belichick is the defensive brain. Andy Reid has Steve Spagnola, who's gotten the defense to play at an elite level with elite players for like the last what, five to seven years? And Belichick, he had Josh McDaniels running the offense for like that whole amount of time where Tom Brady was winning a bunch of Super Bowls. They had elite quarterbacks, and they had continuity with their coaching staff. And Steve Wiltz being fired is like showing, the, I guess, the effects of not having continuity because you get a defensive coordinator, you lose him as a head coach, D'Amico Ryans. He becomes almost the head coach of the year. I think he was head coach. Was he head coach of the year? Maybe not. A really high candidate there. He leaves, and you're set to fill that position with Steve Wilkes, who you fire after one year. So I was I was league. It's it's tough because the Patriots the Patriots had Josh McDaniels. He went to go venture off, didn't work. I think he came back. He tried to venture off again. It didn't work. Like I think continuity matters, and I think that's what Kyle Shanahan doesn't have right now. He doesn't have a guy to rely on on the other side of the ball. Um, because it seems like he has, doesn't have a Madden. He doesn't have a Matt Nagy for sure. Um, but yeah, Steve Spagnola, I think he just got extended too. So talk about continuity. Like if they could three feet, they're the team to do it. So um, I don't know. <sighs> Those are my thoughts on it. The season is officially over, lads. Any final season thoughts? Anything that's going through your brain? I mean, I'll start with you. I'll, I'll give you a thought that's going through my brain is uh, – you know, probably the biggest now, now that the Super Bowl's over, the biggest talking point uh, is who the Bears quarterback is going to be next season. I think that's the biggest talking point in news, in football news right now, is uh, who the Bears are going to have a quarterback next year. So I, uh, I think that's probably the only thing that's running through my mind right now. And I don't blame you, and I forgot to officially say it. The Bears are on the clock. I think I said that last year like towards the end of the season so i had to repeat myself this year yeah we are back to back years kind of crazy to think about but uh, anything for me tommy anything that's going through your mind just i guess recap of the season um 
I mean, just I guess from a personal standpoint, um, the the Bengals kind of franchise tagging T Higgins is pretty huge. I'm knowing that we'll have him back for next year as well as um, a healthy Joe Burrow. Hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. No, uh, no calf injuries or anything scary in the preseason or uh, OTAs or anything like that. But um, definitely excited for for 2024. How about you? Well, you guys have crazy situations. I feel like I'd have a crazy ass situation with my team too. We don't have a court. <laughs> I mean, Kirk Cousins not under contract. We, I mean, we're on the brink of potentially signing JJ to a massive contract that's gonna potentially hinder things when it comes to building a team. So I'm, I'm, I'm officially kind of leaning. I, I was more towards you know Justin Jefferson getting the the contract and just letting it play out. But now, you know, thinking about the team and what you can build with a team. Is it a right? Is it the right time to potentially trade him when he's at his highest peak value? Because I don't know if it's going to go any higher than this. To be honest, uh, it could, but I think the the chances of it lowering versus hiring, I think it's way towards maybe his value going lower. So maybe you trade him and get a boatload of bakes. Maybe you're able to get into that top. You know, um, I just want to make a quick a quick point that uh, kind of has to go with this. Um, you, you guys are dealing with a, a player that needs to be extended. Uh, the Bears kind of dealing with a player that needs to be extended as well. And Justin Jeff or Justin Fields, if he decide if we decide to keep him. And I think a, what you have to separate, you know, as fans, and this goes for Vikings and Bears fans, is are you a Vikings fan or a Justin Jefferson fan? You know, do you want him to stay on the team? Absolutely. But are you a Vikings fan or a Justin Jefferson fan? At the end of the day, you are a Vikings fan and you want what's best for the team. And the same thing goes with the Bears, you know, amidst our civil war um, that is going on in Chicago with, uh, you know, Team Fields or Team Williams or Team May or whoever is the options out there. But uh, are we Bears fans first or are we Justin Fields fans first? Because it it, it appears a lot from the Justin Fields camp is that uh, they are they are Justin Fields fans and not Bears fans. They're not looking at it logically. They're looking at it with feelings. And I think really if you want the best outlook and the best outcome, you just have to put biases aside and feelings aside when it comes to some of these players that have to be moved on or, or, or move on from and just think what would be best for the direction of the team for the long-term future. Right. And for me, I think a couple of factors that our GM and our coach are going to be looking at is how they view quarterbacks. And there's nobody I would trust more on this Viking staff than a quarterback coach or an offensive coordinator, a former offensive coordinator like Kevin O'Connell. I put my trust in him to evaluate the quarterback because after two to three or two years of coaching the team, I, I feel like he would know what he would want in his system. So if they think that they can move up to pick a quarterback, actually, let's let's backtrack. They have to look at the draft class and see who they want or who they think can be the franchise quarterback, depending on where you go in each round. If they think a guy like Bo Nick can be the guy, I don't think you have to trade Justin Jefferson. If they think Jaden Daniels is their guy and they can't steer their eyes away from him, I don't know how else you draft up to that position other than trading Justin Jefferson. I mean, who else are we going to trade? Daniel Hunter is off the, I, th I think he's off the books. He's uh, looking to sign elsewhere because we probably won't be able to match that contract. Kirk Cousins, we have to sign him. Like who, what capital are we going to give up without Justin Jefferson involved to, to get to that Drake may potentially or Jaden Daniels. So it really depends on what 
our front office thinks about the quarterback position. So we have a hefty offseason ahead of us. I have no idea what's going to happen. There's so many things on the table, but um, this is a make it or break it year for this uh, regime, this head coach, and uh, more GM. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be a crazy offseason for us. Uh, looking at the schedule for the offseason, I think I've mentioned this a lot, but February 27th is the start of the combine. Um, we are doing our research on our uh, prospects. We'll do some fun stuff with that, uh, obviously, before the draft. Um, then they have the annual <laughs> league meeting at the end of March. And then it's basically just a big um, a couple months away from the game uh, until the NFL draft on the 25th of April. So uh, we might be doing some fun stuff. We might be um, a little spotty with our podcast, but um, we are getting into the draft season. So the Bears are on the clock and uh, we are going to get away for a little bit and we will talk to you guys on the next episode. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Take it easy. Uh, Alan Allen's.